and welcome to Minute 9 of Movie Raw Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Aaron Newworth of Out and Now with Aaron and Abe. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Hey, Hey, happy to be here. I'm glad you're back. We've, we've had some fun things to talk about this week, and today we're going to get really, really deep. <laughs> Probably deeper than most people are expecting us to get. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, minute nine begins with Neil continuing talking to Dell about his cab ride, or lack of cab ride, actually, and ends with Neil beginning to argue with the stewardess. So the minute begins with Neil continuing to to tell Dell that he stole his cab, and then immediately Dell just jumps back in and says, "Wait a second, you're the guy who tried to get my cab. I knew you. I knew you. Yeah." You scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. And then he starts laughing. And then he goes, come to think of it. It was actually, it was awfully easy to get a cab during rush hour. <laughs> so it's, it's such a funny little like moment. <laughs> he has to himself, he's like slowly realizing, like, how did, how did I pull that off? Exactly. Yeah, no, that that's just uh, something that, that, that you can, you can, you can believe it by the way that he says it. He's a very believable character, Dill. You know, he's nice and jolly, and and you know, you you look at him and you think, okay, this this isn't a guy who's trying to make a play with somebody. You know, he's he's going to be as honest as possible, and he's going to be the the real guy. So while Neil is talking to him, we see that Neil is actually reading a magazine. So I went to look up what magazine he was reading. He was reading a Forbes magazine. And it's the Forbes magazine from February 23rd, 1987. And the issue cost $3.50 at the time. And I checked on eBay. I can actually buy a copy of it today if I wanted to for $5. So, hey. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it, there's only a $1.50 inflation after 32 years of uh, <laughs> of this magazine sitting in someone's garage or whatever. And what I loved is in the eBay note, the guy wrote, uh, good used condition, shows somewhere, has the old book smell, and it still has a mailing label. <laughs> so I was actually able to see the mailing label of the, the it's some, some guy in Florida that, that that's trying to sell it. Now, my question is, is who's going to want to buy a 35-year-old Forbes magazine? that you can probably find online. As you said, it has the old book smell. So it's like, who's, <laughs> who's not buying it seems like more the question. Here. That's a good point. That's a good point. Now this, I looked through to see what famous articles are actually in this, this particular issue that he's reading. And there's one about a guy named Reinhold Mesmer, who was a mountain climber and adventurer. He was an Italian mountain climber and adventurer. And he is listed nine times in the Guinness Book of World Record of being the first person to do so many different things. You know, he was one of the first people to, to climb Everest without a, an oxygen tank. And he was the first one to, to reach the summit of a whole bunch of different peaks. I'm not, I'm not going to go into to all of it because I don't know anything about mountain climbing or whatever, but I just found that to be interesting that, that this is the main article besides the, the article that on the, the cover is if the dollar drops farther, what should investors do? And I wonder if the dollar has fallen in the last 35 years probably i would say probably it's not as it's not worth as much as it was back then <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Most people know Forbes magazine that that's a, a magazine that that has a whole bunch of different. It, it, they, they're known for their lists and rankings of things related to business. They have you know their list of the rich, richest Americans, the wealthiest celebrities, uh, top companies, most powerful people, world's billionaires, things like that. And I saw that it was actually founded in 1917. So yeah, it was. It's and okay. it, the the official original name was Forbes. Devoted to doers and doings. So they want to they want to hold on to all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So we continue with this conversation between Neil and uh, Dell. Once again, we we see this woman behind Neil. That's just that we talked about yesterday a little bit. She was putting on makeup, then she was reading the newspaper, and now she's just staring off into space. I guess they forgot to tell the extra in the back. Pretend that you're doing something. <laughs> Don't be bored. <laughs> Maybe that was her artistic choice. What if I am just bored? I'm sitting in an airport. That's true. Also, there is something to that. So at this point, Neil says to Dell, ah, just forget it. Don't worry about it. And says, well, I can't forget it. I am so sorry. I had no idea that that was your cab. Let me make it up to you somehow. Please. How about a nice hot dog and a beer? So Aaron knows where this is going. <laughs> what is the origin <laughs> of a hot dog? Thing. <laughs> you have any clue it's germ it's german yes right? it is bavarian it's a it's there were pork sausages that were originally made in the 13th century in germany mm-hmm. and it was used mostly during imperial coronations and things like that then uh, a few years later someone in austria decided to to take the idea and mix it together with not just have it with pork, it was also have beef. And those were known as wieners instead of just uh, the sausages that they were known beforehand. It was eventually bought, brought to the U.S. into the West in the late 1800s by a German Im- immigrant named Fuchtwacher, something like that, who used to sell hot dogs in the street in St. Louis. And he originally used to give it to people with gloves. But the problem was that the people weren't returning the gloves. So he started losing a lot of money by doing that. And he complained to his wife about that. And his wife came up with the idea in 1880 of actually trying to sell it with buns. So they thought up the idea of, of buns in 1880, which is pretty interesting. So where does the name dog come from? If we're talking about sausages and we're talking about wieners and things like that, do you have any uh, idea? Um no okay well it was because it became synonymous with the idea that that many people were using dog meat so they decided to call it a hot dog (laughs) Uh (laughs) which apparently (laughs) it it was occasionally occasionally justified that that is why it was called that well that's not great (laughs) yeah (laughs) the term was first used in the evansville indiana daily courier on september 14th 1884 when someone wrote an article about about selling hot dogs on the street, there are cartoons that were feature that feature baseball games at the polo grounds and things like that. So it 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 it's it's yeah. obviously been very popular over the last 150 years with sports, mostly baseball stuff like that. So Aaron, what do you think, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, is the world's longest hot dog? Longest hot dog? Yes. Well, was um, was the longest hot dog because obviously 
Let's hope someone ate it by now. Um, I don't know, 100 feet? Probably bigger. Mm, no, it was a little bigger. It was 60 meters, which is 197 feet. Okay, so double that. All right. Yeah. That, I almost said 200, too. There you go. I was like, that seems you absurd. Would've, you would have been close. Now, what do you think the most expensive hot dog was? Most expensive hot dog? Yes. I don't, um, $500. No, most of all, that was sold for $145 and 49 cents where it had a lot of trimmings on it. It was an 18 inch all beef hot dog and it had, you know, the works all over it. And I, I can't really explain why someone actually paid $145 for that hot dog. Couldn't really tell you. I just figured it, I just figured it'd be bigger. You'd like cut it up. Share it. I guess so. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, two more questions about hot dogs, and then we'll, we'll move along. Sure. What's the world's record for the most amount of hot dogs eaten by a man in 10 minutes? I was hoping for this question. <laughs> 10 minutes, hot dog eating contest, most eaten. And they have those strategies where they dip them in water. <laughs> 10 minutes. Um, 55 hot dogs. 75 hot dogs. Damn. Yeah. It's a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> 75 yeah 74 hot dogs is pretty amazing now how many hot dogs do you think is the world's record for a woman eating a hot dog in 10 minutes <laughs> i wonder if it's more um i'll say i'll say 60 48 and a half all right and a half <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. time ran out <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's pretty interesting that they give you credit for a half <laughs> you know, does someone measure it and they say oh well that's only half time's up just bit down for the last second. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay, good to know this. Right, so so Dell Del offered to buy him a hot dog and a, and a beer. Okay, so now we'll talk about beer. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> beer, as most people know, is the third most popular drink in the world. What do you think are the two more popular drinks? Water. There you go. That's one. That's number one. I mean, just types of drinks. Um, yeah. Soda. No, the other one's tea. Tea makes sense. So water and tea are the for are the top two. Uh huh. Tea's, right. tea's been no, around. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm I'm I I don't drink, so I'm I'm not familiar. I don't I don't really know how beer is made. I don't really like the taste or anything like that. Do you, do you have any idea how beer is made? Well, it's brewed. I don't drink either. Um, it's brewed, and they let it like you know. Um, what is what's the word? Um, ferment. 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 Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. All right. It's brewed in fermenting starches that are usually malted starches. You have you have uh, barley, corn, rice, oats, and it's usually four to six percent alcohol. But there are cases where it's half a percent alcohol to 20 percent alcohol. And there's they've even found cases of people making beer at 40 percent alcohol. Mm. Some moonshine. OK. Yeah, exactly. Distilled beer is also considered a form of whiskey. Mm -hmm. And the what is when uh, I'm not even going to ask you this one because there's no way you're going to be able to guess it. What was the earliest archaeological evidence that that people used to make beer. It was from 13,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. They found evidence in a cave in the Carmel Mountains 
here in Israel. Yeah. Right, right near, right near Haifa. Okay, where they actually found proof that someone was fermenting beer back then. <laughs> I mean, it tracks. Like, I wouldn't have guessed that far back, but I mean, between between wine and things, like it seems like alcohol's yeah. certainly been found and harvested in ways over the over the many millennia, yeah. decades. And centuries. It's also it's also found in recorded histories of ancient Iraq and ancient Egypt. Yeah, I know it's a Middle Eastern thing. I was pretty sure that was like the region. Yeah. And there are archaeologists that, that speculate that beer was a, an integral part in the formation of civilizations. <laughs> I guess you get people drunk and they're full to join your civilization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, basically, Neil declines the, uh, the hot dog and a beer. And he says, okay, well, how about just a hot dog? And Neil's response is, well, I'm a little picky about what I eat. <laughs> At that point, it just sounds like it's a <laughs> thing to say. It's a hot dog. Completely. <laughs> and then the next thing that Dell offers him is, well, what about some coffee? So he said, no. So what about coffee? <laughs> Coffee's rather, I mean, that's... Where do you think coffee originated? Asia. Close. Middle East. It was right. originated in Yemen. And then oh, in the okay. 16th century, and it was kept in Yemen itself, in a place called uh, Mocha, Mocha, Yemen, surprisingly, where coffee you know, comes from. Mm -hmm. And in the 16th century, someone smuggled some out in, and they got it to India. And then from India, it spread to Italy and the rest of Europe, Indonesia, and eventually got to America. There's, there's a German physician who in the, the 1600s, actually described what he thinks uh, coffee is. So I, I, I thought that was a, a very funny response as to the way that he did it. He, his quote is, a beverage as black as ink, useful against numerous illnesses, particularly those of the stomach. Its customers take it in the morning, quite frankly, in a porcelain cup that is passed around and from which each one drinks a cupful. It is composed of water and the fruit from a bush called bunu. <laughs> so it was interesting that that's the uh, way that someone described it back in uh, 1583. That was described. In 1600, Pope Clement VIII decided to allow the the Christians to, to drink coffee mm. because it was seen as a Muslim drink up until then. And then the first co uh, European coffee houses opened up in 1645. And then it became very popular in England, and then in France, then in Austria and Poland. And apparently, though, know, in the colonies, coffee wasn't as popular as alcohol was. <laughs> the colonists liked their booze, like their moonshine. The, the, the Boston Tea Party that happened in 1773 actually boosted the popularity of coffee because coffee wasn't as taxed as tea. And since they threw away all the tea, people were drinking coffee. In 1812, the British actually closed up access to the to tea for anyone in the colony, or it was already America by then. And coffee grew even more popular at that point. In the middle of the 18th century in Britain, tea actually became more popular because most people found it to be much cheaper and easier to make because all you do is just put a tea bag in water mm -hmm. as opposed to having to brew the coffee and make that. 
eventually the people figured out that that the best can the best climate to make coffee was in where do you think i don't, I don't know <laughs> the caribbean there the we caribbean. go okay by 1788 haiti supplied more than half the world's supply of coffee of course then they started making it in brazil so in 1800 in brazil they became the largest producer in the world by 1852 it took them 52 years in order to become the the largest producer of coffee in the world by 1920 half of the co coffee produced in the world was consumed by people living in the u.s that tracks exactly and now it's mostly made in african and central american countries so yeah so neil then declines the coffee <laughs> and then he's offered something else he's offered milk now i'm not gonna talk about milk everyone knows about milk there's not much <laughs> to really say about milk milk wasn't something that was discovered so we're, we're going to skip talking about milk so anyone who wants to know about milk can can uh, email me privately and i'll uh i'll, I'll send you the information i got about milk because i did do some research but i figured that uh we, we probably shouldn't uh, go there then he offers soda so now what do you know about the word soda aaron the word what would, soda? when someone says when someone says to you soda, what do you think? What's the first thing that you think of? Coke. Right. Okay. So now there's a lot of colloquialisms around the U.S. So different people refer to soft drinks mm -hmm. by different names. One of them is soda, which is mostly used in the northeastern U.S., in California, Milwaukee, St. Louis. There are places which call it pop, which is in the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest. In the South, do you know what they call uh, soft drinks? They don't call it pop in the South? I don't know. They call it Coke. Ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone wants a Sprite, they'll say, I'd like a Sprite Coke or a Coke Sprite or something like that. And in the eastern shores of Massachusetts, they call it tonic. I don't really know why. That, that I wasn't able to figure out. Now, do you know why it's called soft drinks? I used to, No, not anymore. What, why are they called soft drinks? It's because it's in contrast to hard liquors, yeah, which are known what, as yeah, hard drinks. Okay. okay, there's a guy named uh, jo jo Joseph Priestley who discovered the idea of carbonation in 1767, and that completely changed the way people looked at it. Because at that point, people started drinking what we all know as soda or seltzer or sparkling water, fizzy water, club soda, however you want to think about it. That was invented back then in 1767, where it it gave a, a different type of taste to people drinking water. In 1783, J.J. Schwepp formed a company Schweppes. called the Schweppes mm -hmm. Company, which was the first company to actually think of the idea of bottling a soft drink and selling it. Dr. Pepper opened their business in 1885 and Coca-Cola opened their business in 1886. So yeah, there, there's a lot more to say about soda, but again, we're yeah, gonna try right? to keep this somewhat brief. <laughs> So Neil then declines the, 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 the milk and the soda. So the next thing he's offered is some tea. Dill wants to give him some tea. So again, I'm not going to go too far into it. Where, where do you think tea came from? Is tea Asian? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. Chinese? It's originally Chinese. It, it was created on the Chinese-Burmese border. Okay. The, in the 3rd century AD, there's a, a text that describes tea. So they know about that. In the 16th century, Portuguese priests that were in the Far East were able to introduce it into Europe. They brought it back with them to Europe so that people can get some tea. 
I guess is where the, the phrase, all the tea in China comes from. I guess maybe it did start in China. Makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the 17th century, it uh, became very fashionable in England for people to, to drink tea. They would have it as luxury items for uh, religious festivals, wakes, domestic work gatherings, and things like that. Now, who do you think are the four biggest producers of tea these days? What countries? Probably still say China. Um, okay. One of the four. So it's somewhere in South America? No. So you got China, mm. India, Kenya, and Sri Lanka. The four Sri of them Lanka. together. I've heard that before about Sri Lanka. Yeah. Okay. So the, the four of them together have a 75% monopoly of the world production of tea which is quite amazing. Yeah. And the the global production of tea in 2019 was 6.5 million tons. That's just an absurd number. Completely absurd. So Neil then declines the tea. And then Dale starts grasping for straws and basically offers him lifesavers. So what do you know about lifesavers? Well, lifesavers line made me laugh because it's like that's a, such a specific thing at that point. <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> such a, it's such a nothing idea. <laughs> Maybe that's just an easy thing for him to get because he has it in his pocket or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, so don't, life I don't savers... know much about lifesavers. <laughs> okay, so lifesavers were invented in 1912, and they were known as a summer candy because the 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 heat would would melt chocolate so this was something that wouldn't melt uh-huh. in the heat the shape itself uh, resembles a life preserver hence the name lifesavers and they used to sell them in stores for five cents and the company would try and convince store sellers or or whatever you want to call them to give change in nickels mm-hmm. so that when you give someone a nickel back they'll say oh i got five cents why don't i just buy myself a lifesaver along the way so i found that to be pretty Pretty, pretty cool, that type of information. Okay, so he then declines the lifesavers. And now we get the final thing that he, for, for those of you still bearing with us, <laughs> hopefully everyone, we get the final thing that he refers to. It's a Slurpee. Are you familiar with Slurpees? Very familiar with Slurpees. Okay. So what, what can you tell me about Slurpees? Uh, Slurpees are, at least around these parts, are generally sold at specifically 7-Eleven um, as far as uh, convenience marts. Um, they can only be sold in 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. That was the deal. That's what I, the term slurpee. They can call them something else. Yeah, because yeah, they have like freezes or ICs, another brand or whatnot. But yeah, it's basically a flavored ice drink is the best way to put it, I suppose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it was, it was actually invented by a guy named Omar Nedlik in the late 1950s. He had a soda fountain that stopped working so what he decided to do was to put it in the freezer to 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 try and salvage whatever he had mm-hmm. and when he took it out of the freezer uh, a few hours later he realized that he was making a slushy and decided that hey this is a great idea so he invented machines that would make frozen beverages in order to do that in 1965 he sold the product to to 7-eleven under the condition that they would only sell sell them in 7-eleven which is why you will never find a uh, Slurpee in some other store. You'll, you might they might be called Ices, or they might, they'll, you know they'll have many different names, yeah. but they will not be called a Slurpee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, <laughs> in Canada, they make a lot of Slurpees these days. Winnipeg 
is the world's leader in slurpy consumption. Okay. They sell in Winnipeg 188,833 drinks every month of Slurpees. Now, in contrast, the rest of Canada only sells 179,700 a month. The rest okay. of all so of basically, Canada. Yes. So <laughs> the rest of Canada, Winnipeg sells 9,000 more Slurpees a month than the entire rest of Canada. That's just crazy. I, I mean, I assume that it, it's real information. That's what I found. So that, that, that's all of the information I have, everyone, for, for all of these various uh, forms of, of food or drinks. I, I, I think we, we, we told enough about that. <laughs> so then Dell says something very sincere to, to Neil. He basically says, just let me know. I'm here. And then he looks at him and waves his finger at him and says, I knew I knew you. Yeah, I see. At this point, we, we get a, a new scene and we see them, we see Neil standing on the airplane about to get into the, about to, to, to board or he's, board. he's, he's yeah. boarding, but he's standing there at the very beginning and he's, he's arguing with one of the stewardesses and the stewardess says, well, this is something you should have discussed with the ticket agent. And his response is, I couldn't discuss. And then he gets cut off by the end of the minutes. So first of all, if you're getting on a plane, that, the first thing you don't want to piss off the stewardess is the first thing that you do. Yeah. That, that, that's a big no-no. I, I think uh, Neil makes a little bit of a mistake here by doing that. But we'll get more into that tomorrow when we talk about more of his adventures on the plane. So Aaron, do you have anything else for today's episode? No, I do like the list of things that he goes through. That is just because it goes down to lifesavers and Slurpee. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what, what my biggest question is is he's offering him a slurpee do, do they have a 7-eleven in jfk that's why like i because i know you have like the script i'm curious with if the script has anything like that or if that just feels like candy improv at that point as far as just it's candy things. it's candy improving completely yeah that makes sense yeah we're we're we're, we're not going to get that in the script so since you brought it up we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the script so there's there's a little part where Neil is looking over at Dell, and then he closes his eyes and falls asleep, and then he wakes up like 20 minutes later, an hour later, or something like that, and sees that Dell is missing, and he then starts walking. He says he's going to go to the to the bathroom, and he goes to the bathroom, and as he starts, he gets to the men's room. He hears loud whistling on the other side, and he opens the door and he sees Dell standing there in his undershirt shaving with a razor in his hand you know his his kit on the sink and stuff like that and he sees neil and he says howdy traveler and then Dell gets into a, a whole long diatribe about uh about travel which i'm not gonna go through all right now but he starts talking about a little bit about music and stuff like that it's, it's pretty interesting and and then Dell looks up to to see neil's reaction and neil has just left he just completely, he, he just left there. Didn't want to stay there anymore. Didn't want to have anything to do with him. At this point, someone else walks in and Dell says to the guy, hey, did you see that guy who just was there? He goes, that's a hell of a nice guy. Salt salt of the earth. Which which says something about, about Dell again. You know, he's, yeah. he's such a nice guy, no matter what. He's, he's still, a people person. He's a, definitely a people person, which which works for the type of job that he does. There's no question about that. 
And at this point, basically, we then get to see him on the plane, but there's no difference between what happened. Uh, the only difference is that you have the person at the encounter change the sign from saying delayed to now boarding. But th that was probably not necessary. We didn't really need that. All right. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us another off-the-beaten-track tale of something that happened to you during your travels? So when I was younger, my mom and I would used to go to my grandparents' house for for the Christmas the holiday season. Um, I'm in down in in uh, Southern California. They live up in near Oakland. Um, so usually we take a plane, which is you know an hour and change. It's not very not very high to fly from one end of California to the other. Um, one year, however, for whatever reason, we decided to take the train. Um, this is when I was much younger, probably. I think it was before I was 13. So, yeah, it was still like adolescence, young adolescence. And um, the train was, I like a good train, but going from Southern California to Northern California is 14 hours. Um, it's a long, <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah, long trip. Definitely uh, sounds that way. Uh, via locomotive. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't the most entertaining <laughs> at that time yeah, in my life. Uh, compared to like now when you have like tablets and things that can keep you occupied, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty grueling <laughs> to be sitting on a train for that amount of time and not really having much to do. Like I don't have any siblings. Um, you can't really run around the train. So it was just like, boy, was this a long time <laughs> to be just this one, like kind of vehicle this long and going nowhere. Uh, there was, but it's the reason it's, it's. I've taken the train many times since not this trip, but like I've done the train a lot. I did a lot from college um, going back and forth, uh, which is like a four hour trip. But even then I have like things like a laptop and homework that I could do during those versions versus a miserable 14 hour train ride by myself, wow. pretty much um, just doing nothing at all. Um, so that's the, that's the, that's the misadventure I'm highlighting. <laughs> this okay. time around. That's great. That's a great story. Thank you very much for that. So why don't you uh, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I write for We Live Entertainment and Wise of the Blue as far as movie and Blue reviews. All my stuff can be found on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. I do some variety stuff occasionally, and I co-host a podcast out now with Aaron and Abe with my friend Abe. We talk about the weekly movie releases. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate and review and subscribe on any podcast that might be using listen to this show. To find me, you can do a quick search and look for Movie Rob Minute, either on Twitter, Facebook or just on the internet, you can get to our website. So, Aaron, you want to come back tomorrow to finish off the week? Oh, yeah, let's do this. Excellent. So, until tomorrow, you're fine.